ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today on From Story to Impact, where we talk about the stories of our lives. And when we talk about stories, we're talking about your story. Because as you know, stories are what connects us as human beings. You may have your favorite stories from your childhood, or your favorite story may be something that you just heard yesterday. But stories allow us to give meaning to our past, to reframe our present, and also to envision the future which is super exciting. And so we created this event to allow ordinary people, and and I don't use that term ordinary to mean that you're ordinary, right? I mean, average, everyday person, where you can now become extraordinary simply by the heroic act of sharing your story. Why do I call it a heroic act? Because I know from personal experience, the stories have helped shape my life. Other people's stories have helped guide me and inspired me and motivated me. And I know that they'll do the same for you as they've done for people all throughout the world. And so we wanted to create an event, an annual event, where you can bring your stories to life. And it doesn't matter whether you've been on public stages once or never. We're going to train you. We're going to mentor you. We're going to guide you to make sure that you give and are able to deliver your best presentation. And you could even win the grand prize of $20,000 along with a book publishing deal from our partner at Morgan James Publishing. So there's a lot to be won, but whether or not you ever make it to the finals, the person that you're going to be able to become, and you're going to be able to go back to your home, to your office, to your workplace, just knowing yourself that much better and knowing that you have something that can truly change and transform the world. So that's why we're here. And speaking of transforming the world, um, before I get there, so please go to VOI Awards, VOIAwards.com, that's Voices of Impact Awards, VOIAwards.com and register to become one of our storytellers. Again, you're going to get lots of free stuff, lots of free training and guidance from some of the world's leading experts in a variety of areas, not just public speaking and storytelling. Now, this is the important part of this segment of this show. The reason why we're here is because my guest today, my studio guest is Paul Glover, who's got not just a unique story, but an amazing story. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of, I'm not going to get too much into it because I want him to excite you with it, right? It's it's Paul, I will let you know, is one of the storytellers that has registered to share his story with the world on the Voices of Impact Awards. And we're just so excited to have him with us. And once you hear from Paul, you know that this is also something that you can do. So hailing all the way from the city that I grew up in, Chicago, Illinois, actually he's in a suburb, but we all, we're all from Chicago, right? If you're from the Midwest, you're from Chicago. So welcome to the studio, Paul Glover. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Steve. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak to you and to anyone else who's listening. Well, there's going to be a lot of people listening, uh, Paul, once the show gets broadcast. Uh, as you know, this is a global event, even though we are starting out nationally. We want to prove the concept to the world and to sponsors, et cetera. Um, but I, ha- I dare say that in 2023, 2024, we will be all over the world. And so people are going to come in and want to know what this event is all about. And they're going to come across this episode and they're going to meet Paul Glover, who is uh, currently serving as a high level business coach. And uh, so you're going to get lots of clients from this and you can blame it on us. Well, first, if that happens, that's fine, Steve. I have to admit that that's always a, a side issue with me. I I believe that uh, I do have a message, and you giving me the opportunity to speak to that message is the more valuable part of this interaction. Well, wonderful, Paul. So let's get into it, because I know that our audience is like, okay, let's meet Paul Glover 
And all right, he's now a business coach. And to look at him, he's obviously successful. And, you know, he's a wise uh, grandpa looking guy. And, you know, he's got a lot of years behind him. And so he's done some amazing things. Uh, your message is everyone needs a fool in their life. So I'm going to hand it over to you at this point and just tell us, where does that come from, Paul? Where does everyone needs a fool in their life? And why uh, has that become your message? Well, Steve, the concept of the fool originates in medieval times when the gesture set at the uh, the foot of the throne of the king. And everyone who looks at that picture today believes that the gesture was an entertainer. He existed to make the king laugh, got up, sang a song, told a joke. That wasn't his uh, purpose. Because the king had been anointed by divine right, anyone who challenged the king or any decision the king made was guilty of heresy, which was punishable by death. The fool, because he was seen as someone who was insane, was exempt from that prohibition and therefore acted as a trusted advisor to the king. Now, I know that sounds like an interesting history lesson, but I do believe that it has uh, absolute uh, uh, impact and intent today because I truly believe every one of us needs a fool in their life. I'm a prime example of that. Uh, 1995, I was a successful trial attorney, federal court, and I love my profession, but unfortunately, I was also arrogant. Uh, I had a huge ego. Uh, I believed I was the smartest guy in the room, and that led me down a, a dark path. The people that I decided to associate with, and it was choice, uh, and they encouraged me because I wanted to belong to this group. I was, I tell people, I was a bad guy wannabe. I was a labor employment lawyer and I associated with people who were on the dark side of the law. And because of that, I engaged in criminal acts. And in 1995, I was indicted by a federal grand jury on 33 counts of taking bribes, kickbacks, and threatening government witnesses. Two trials and 10 months later, I was sentenced to seven years in a federal penitentiary. Uh, needless to say, my law career was over, could no longer practice law. My family was both financially and emotionally devastated. I left them penniless. Uh, and it is so fortunate that my, my wife and my two sons allowed me to stay in the family. The only reason they did that was that after two years of incarceration, I came to the conclusion that if I didn't change, I was going to not only not have my family, but in all probability, be like 80% of people who go to prison. I was going to recidivate. I was going to go back to my old ways, commit those additional crimes, and return to prison. I saw that happen. And I made the decision that that wasn't going to happen to me. But I agonized and struggled with why I had committed the crimes and had the self-destructive behavior that caused me to go to prison and ruin my life and, and ruin my family's life. And I came to the conclusion that even though self-reflection is important, it's not enough. Because when we self-reflect, we are like we're looking at ourselves in a mirror. And we see what we hope is our true selves. But the reality is we are seeing this through our own filter. And very seldom do I meet anyone who says, I hate me. When we see ourselves, we, we believe that we are better than we are. I came to the conclusion when I read about the fool that I needed a fool or a series of fools in my life. I needed someone who cared enough about me and that I respected and trusted to give me the gift of truth about me. 
And believe me, I was the hardest guy for this for this to occur to. Like I said, I had an ego. Uh, and I knew that this was going to be extremely difficult. And I approached the person who loved me the most and who I loved the most, my wife. And my wife, uh, backbone of steel, she held the family together during my incarceration for five and a half years. And when we met two years into my in my incarceration in the visiting room, and I asked her to become my fool and explained what I wanted her to do, to give me the gift of truth about me, she said no. She said, I know how terrible your reaction is going to be to hearing the truth. And I had to give her the psychological safety to become my fool, the person who cared enough to tell me the truth. And believe me, she was right. I did not want to hear what she had to say about me. However, we took it in small, we took what I call baby steps. I could only handle so much with every visit. And for five and a half years, she visited every month, drove five and a half hours to sit in a crowded visiting room that either was was blazingly hot or freezingly cold. And we would spend two days together. And during that two day period, we would have the discussion about me and my blind spots and the things that triggered my bad behavior. And over the period of the remainder of my incarceration, I slowly began to understand that even though those were a part of me, those blind spots are inherent, they're part of our personality, that I could control my behavior. I could control those triggers that caused me to act badly. And I did. Uh, by the way, I, I struggle with that today. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is, I've never met a person that I've had trouble, more trouble with than myself. <laughs> and I struggle with it, and I think we all do. And so when I got out of prison, uh, I could no longer practice law, but I had to do something. And by the way, being a 50-year-old ex-con is not something you want to put on your resume. Uh, nobody was hiring me. But I, but I kept thinking about my experience. Uh, first lawyer, trial lawyer, critical thinker, really good storyteller, because as you know, if you have a jury, the jury is not interested in the facts. They're interested in the narrative, taking those facts and putting them into a story that they can relate to. So I had that skill set because I practiced for years as a trial attorney. And I, I also thought about how many leaders need to understand the concept of having a fool. And I decided that not only did they need to have that concept, but I could actually act in that capacity because I had suffered the failure, the setbacks to the extreme. And obviously I don't expect and people who are out there listening to this may say, well, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to go to prison. Of course not. But you're still going to, to have setbacks and failures. You're going to engage in bad behavior because we are human beings and we do have those blind spots and we do have those triggers. And if we are scaring people away so that no one's willing to tell us the truth, we're never going to change. So as a part of my coaching process, I put that experience into it. And I started to approach people in the corporate world saying, this is who I am. This is my background. This is my experience. And this is what I offer you in the coaching process. I will offer you the gift of truth that maybe no one else is willing to do for a variety of reasons. And I build myself as the no BS leader legacy coach, because first I believe in leader legacy. But second, it's the no BS part that absolutely is 
it, it makes me successful and makes those who can tolerate hearing the truth enter my coaching program. So as, as I continue to think about this, I decided, so now that I know this and I feel so, so fervent about it, I need to spread my message. And so I, I'm working hard at that. This is why we're talking, is that I believe that I've got a message, an idea that is worth sharing. And I believe that people need to hear the value of having a, a fool. But then I also believe there's an obligation. I am fortunate enough to have fools in my life. Not only my wife, who I love dearly, but I also have three other people, friends, and a mentor that are my fools. Because different segments of my life require a different perspective. And I also believe that since I am blessed with having fools in my life, I have an obligation. And that obligation is to be a fool for people I care about. And I think that this is a concept in, in our time, just like medieval times, is required. We need to help each other. We need to have a community of people we can count on to tell us and give us the gift of truth. And that's what that's my message. That's my idea. Paul, that is a uh, fascinating story. We don't have a whole lot of time today, but I mean, it would be certainly interesting to kind of deep dive and, and get into the facts a little bit, because one of the ways we learn, obviously, is listening to the story. But then we have questions. We want to find out what was the driving force beside, behind some of these behaviors. But let me ask you this one. What do you think you were looking for back in the day? You said you were arrogant, you were the smartest guy in the room, you had a lot of power, you hung around with the wrong people who were naturally your clients, right? Um, and so you were influenced by that. And it, it adds to the truth of that saying that I don't know who coined it, but you become the five people that you spend the most time with, right? And that includes us lawyers and whether you're a police officer or a healthcare worker, it doesn't matter what you do, right? If you're surrounded with uh, dirt, you're going to get dirty. Right. So what do you think you were looking for back in the day? I wanted to belong desperately. Just belong. I wanted, I wanted a group. I, I wanted I wanted to be accepted. I grew up in a broken home and uh, and I suffered from that lack of community, that lack of belonging. And by nature, I was an outsider. I, I, I'm solitary. And and I, but I knew what I wanted. I wanted that feeling of acceptance, of belonging. And by the way, uh, people, we, we don't see our blind spots, but that doesn't mean other people don't see them. The people that I hung out with, these they saw my blind spots, but they also took advantage of them. Mm. They were able to manipulate me. And you don't know that. I mean, you, you're so caught up in not being able to see what's going on because you're trying to get what you need. And that, that's my, that was primary for me. And I, want, I, I tell people, I was a bad guy wannabe. I never crossed the line into doing the really, really bad things, but I obviously did enough bad things to go to prison. Uh, and so that was that was my need. That was my blind spot. And, it, and they would trigger it. They knew how to trigger it because the deal was, if you want to belong to the club, there's an initiation. Mm -hmm. And the initiation, if you want to be a bad guy, is to do bad things. Absolutely. And so, I absolutely fell into that trap. I absolutely, that, that trigger was all they needed to do. And I went from, from very minor bad acts to major bad acts that gave me a seven-year prison sentence. 
Understood, understood. Thank you for sharing that and for being so vulnerable and open with uh, your story and, and your history. I've got a question for you since you were involved in labor, labor relations. Uh, do you know where Jimmy Hoffa's buried? Uh, I, I have some, first, he's not buried, but I won't Always go any farther than that. And if the FBI is listening, listening, it's a joke. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. No, I didn't say that he'd kill it. I said he wouldn't bury it. From so. story to impact. Thank you so much for shedding light on that. That'll give all of our internet sleuths something new to work on and spend the next 20 years chasing down that information. Thank you for that. Again, going back to your story, your wife deserves a lot of the credit, obviously, for not only sticking with you, but then sharing with you the truth and telling you the difficult things that you needed to hear. Beyond that, though, beyond her exposing these truths to you, what was your next step? Did you seek out a mentor yourself? Did you read books? Did you, um, you know, what was it or who was it that led you to the next step in your evolution? Well, Steve, I actually first, I, I before the conversation with my wife about becoming my fool, I had done the self-reflection because I knew I had to change. I mean, you, first, you have to have... You have to have the desire to be different before you're going to seek someone out to help you. So Indeed. I did that, and I went through the self-reflection, and I read, and, and and at some point I knew it wasn't enough. And but but after I started down the road with my wife as my first fool, I I then was reached out to a friend, and but my deal was I'm <laughs> I am action oriented, so whenever we would finish a conversation, my wife and I or my friend and I. I would tell them, what should I do next? And they would, believe me, they would tell me exactly what I should do. And it was it was like, and, and by the way, half of it, I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be humble. I, I don't want to, uh, I, I just don't. Uh, you know, I want to continue to be arrogant. I want to be in charge. And the reality is, humility is something that we have to earn. And it is a hard earn. And I learned humility, obviously, by going to prison. Otherwise, I'm not sure. I think I, I, I first we would not I would not be alive talking to you today if I hadn't gone to prison. Prison saved my life. Mm. And I know that that's odd to say, but it's absolutely the truth. Uh, second, it saved my marriage. As, as bizarre as you would go with that, that, that seven years in prison in our marriage, we're now married 40 years. Wow. Yeah, six grandchildren, three sons. Uh, I, I live a blessed life. And it's because of my wife. She is my true north. And by the way, I continue, because I truly believe bond spots are inherent in who we are, I continually revert to the mean. That's why that, that saying that I had to use on my wall, I'm looking at it right now. I have more trouble with myself than any other person I've ever met. And I need to constantly remind me of that. And by the way, my your fools should will constantly remind you you will hate it but it absolutely will keep you on the right course otherwise we course correct and we don't we do it to the mean so we'll revert back to what we are so so no it was an action step and the action step for instance she would tell me i was in prison i was surrounded by 300 other convicts and she would go who are you going to help between our visit and my next visit she said, you need to teach GED. I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? This is gonna be terrible. She said, I don't care. You need to, you need to be of service. 
And I did. I, I went through GED and, and she and she wanted to know who's in the class. So these these young and, and most of them were young blacks from East St. Louis. And she said, what are you going to do to make sure that they they don't come back to prison? Because, Steve, I was there long enough that I saw people who were there when I showed up come back. And these were young guys, 19, 20, 21. They returned to the same environment that had caused them to come to prison. And you know what? They engaged in the same activity and they came back. So she said, who are you going to help not do that? And, and she was, you know, and by the way, I, I love her dearly. Like I said, she's got a, a backbone of steel. She required a detail. This wasn't like, yeah, I helped somebody. It was like, I want to know how. I want to know what the follow-up is. So I got into that routine. And then after a while, I started doing it myself. It was like, all right, by the way, that feels good. Anybody who is of service to others, at some point, hopefully, unless you're psychotic, you feel that it's good and you want to do more of it because you get that good feeling, the endorphins. And so, yeah, I was I was the guy that uh, even though I couldn't help you with your case, because when I went to prison, the, the warden told me, he said, if you help anybody else with their case, you're going to go to the hole and I'm going to ship you out to our, all right, no casework, but anything else. So not only doing GED, but telling people, when you leave, I will give you a reference. I'll find somebody who will maybe give you a job. And, and I was able to do that. How successful? I don't know. But it didn't matter. At some point, I did everything I thought I could to make sure that I was a better person when I absolutely, without her, would have been just the opposite. I would have been gaming the system in prison. Well, uh, what is your wife's name, Paul? Debbie, Deborah. Deborah. Yeah. Glover's her last name? Uh, yes. Well, yep. ladies and gentlemen, we are going to give a shout out now to Deborah Glover, because had it not been for her, we probably wouldn't be having this beautiful conversation with Paul right now. And obviously she brought to you not only the truth, but wisdom from throughout the years, because as you know, from uh, your experience as a trial lawyer, and I've got uh, similar experiences that it's all about the power of the questions. Forget the answer. It's, are you asking the right questions in yeah. order to elicit the right answer? And so, you know, when she asks you, who are you going to help, right? I mean, just the power in that question, because it not only gave you direction, but it gave you something to think about. And she highlighted or she brought to your attention what I believe is the purpose for all of us, for each of us being here on this planet, is that we are here to serve one another. In whatever capacity we choose to serve, whether you're a realtor, first responder, healthcare worker, doctor, surgeon, lawyer, it doesn't matter. What do you do? You provide service in your field of expertise, in your licensing to other people, right? You yes. just get to choose how you do it. And so, Paul, you chose to serve these individuals um, that had a negative lifestyle that had a negative upbringing. And the only way that you could reach them is by being there yourself. And so, you know, we could talk all day long about, you know, whether did the universe direct you there so that you could have this impact on the individuals that you did, because obviously you wouldn't have been able to have that experience. You wouldn't have been able to have that impact on those particular individuals had you not gone through what you went through that got you, that landed you in, in prison, right? And Absolutely. so I believe it's all part of the bigger story, the bigger journey. But like I said, 
depending on one's religious beliefs or how they see the world, you know, we could argue on those things all day long. And we have our own take on it of, you know, how to decipher and, and bring meaning to the events of our lives. But you can see here from Paul, had he not experienced what he did as a lawyer, had he not gotten himself in trouble, had he not, you heard him say, make the choices that he made the negative choices that ultimately resulted in him upending his career, his family, his children, almost losing it all, and then making new choices, right? So what Paul is teaching us here is that, yeah, you're going to make bad choices from time to time. It's part of human nature. It's part of the journey you're on. But you can also make new, better choices. And when you do that, it's completely up to you. So that's a beautiful lesson that uh, we can all walk away from here, Paul. Thank you for that. Why coaching? You could have gone into some other things despite having a you know, prison record and uh, not being able to practice law. There could have been some other things. Why coaching? Because I believe that part of coaching is, is service. Uh, you know, it, it, and it is, again, this concept of bringing the gift of truth. Uh, I'm not saying that other coaches don't do it. I'm saying that I'm probably more direct and blunt than most are. Uh, and most people will not engage in my coaching services because of that. Uh, it's just it, it is it is the way that I deliver my gift. Right. Uh, the delivery can be uh, can be hard sometimes. And I also wanted I, I, I truly believe that most C-suite executives are lonely. I, I When they say it's lonely at the top, people kind of snicker at that because, oh, my God, you've got the money, you've got the car. Believe me, the, being in charge of an organization that impacts people, and if you make a mistake, you others pay, takes a real toll. And I think the pandemic in particular did that to leaders. Well-being amongst leadership is, is tremendously poor right now because, first, they don't take care of themselves. And I always, I always refer to the stewardess, stewardess, I'm sorry, uh, the, uh, the, uh, when we get on the airplane, they're not stewardesses anymore. Not anymore, no. <laughs> so when they say, you know, when that little uh, airbag falls down, what do you do? You put it on yourself first. Why? Because that's when you're capable of taking care of another. And that's been a part of my coaching as I want leaders to take care of themselves. They also have to understand their blind spots and what triggers them and start to work on controlling them. You control your behavior. So it just seemed natural to me that, that I had this information and I wanted to share it. And when I started thinking about leadership, I felt this is an important aspect of that that may be talked about, but isn't really practiced. So coaching puts it into practice because just as I was, was tasked with saying, what are you doing? to improve the life of the people who are part of your organization. And I don't want the generalization. I don't want where we give good benefits. What I want is I want to hear that every time you have an interaction, it is a positive impact interaction. And we need to work on that. And second, the concept of, of failure is interesting to me because I truly believe we need to embrace it. Leaders are scared to death of failure. They believe that if, if people know that they failed, that that's the end of their career or they will not be followed, they will not be looked at as good leaders. I believe it's the opposite. I think it is absolutely the human connection that leaders need to make with those people who follow them, with, to those people who are their customers. Because to me, it is saying I am a human being with flaws and failings, but I am working hard to not only overcome those, but to make you and your life better.
That to me is essential. And it's just it just felt natural to me that this is a message. And what I found was first, very few leaders wanted to hear that. More are now than ever before. Beautiful. What a beautiful message. And, you know, if you're listening to this, uh, whether you're um, listening to it here in 2022 when we're recording it or in in 2030, it doesn't matter. Um, doesn't. If Paul Glover is still around, you need to connect with him because he'll tell you the truth. And we need to hear the truth. You know, you can get the hand holding later, but come to Paul for the truth. Right. And then uh, once he shares the truth with you and you discover the things you need to work on, you can either choose to work on it with him or you can choose someone that'll hug you and, and uh, give you all the warm fuzzies as you long, go along. Because sometimes we need both. Right. But, but you need that awakening. Right. I, so, yeah. Paul, how I, can absolutely. how can people reach you for your coaching services? Uh, they can reach me, obviously, at paulglovercoaching.com. Uh, that's my website. Uh, they can reach me on LinkedIn, Paul Glover Coaching, or they can call me and text me. I love to get texts, by the way, from the from audiences because they usually have something real interesting to say, and uh, <laughs> you know, and I love that. I and so so six three zero nine one three six five five five, and I will respond. Uh, and what I find gratifying, I've given the uh, that everyone needs a, a full speech a couple of times to corporate audiences. And it is interesting afterwards how many people it resonates with. And that's why it's obviously strengthened my desire to say, I need to spread my message. Because I think that every, I say it, everyone needs a fool in their life. Absolutely. Absolutely, we do. We will give you Paul's uh, contact information here in the show notes on this program. Paul, you could have, and I know that you're still doing this because as a coach, you want to maximize your presence out there in the public and to get your voice and message out as, as far and as wide as possible. You chose, however, to participate in the Voices of Impact Awards. Um, why was that important to you? You know, something I hit, it would, first, you came recommended, which is always a good thing. Uh, Tricia Brock recommended you. And once she did, I first, Tricia has helped me develop my message, craft it, and also deliver it appropriately. And once she makes a recommendation, I take it seriously, but that doesn't mean I necessarily follow it. Uh, and then I looked your organization up and I said, hmm, this is an organization that is intent on providing value and providing service to others. And obviously that resonates with what I'm trying to do now. And and it, it felt like a good match. It, it was like, this is an organization that I it would be proud and am proud to have this conversation, but to be proud of being a part of. Wonderful. Well, thank you for that. So if anybody's on the fence, you know, oh. and an executive primarily, right? Because a lot of executives, you say they, they like to just kind of shield themselves. They're kind of lonely at the top and they don't know necessarily that their story is something that can impact the world. What would you say to them? Should they participate in the Voices of Impact Awards? Absolutely. If anyone's hesitating at this point, you need to stop. <laughs> First, everybody does have a message. And maybe you need help framing it because I understand that. If you've never done it before and if you're struggling with how am I going to how am I going to do this all that is is fear stopping you and you need always you need to get over fear because it exists to stop us from doing the valuable things in our lives the things that matter and yes this is a form that I truly believe by the way I look at a lot of speaking opportunities this is one that that grabbed me immediately as soon as Trish gave it sent the uh, the information to me and I researched by the way I'm, I'm a recovering lawyer 
I have to research because I get too many opportunities that I go, that's not who I'm going to associate. Remember, I, I now am very serious about who I associate with. Because you're absolutely right. Who you associate with is going to impact what happens next to you. And, and so anyone who's out there, that, and you all have a message. If you're a leadership person, if you're in a position of authority, you've got a message that people need to hear. Uh, and yes, this is the organization that I believe is going to provide you with that forum, that opportunity. And the nice thing about it is, if you are struggling as to how to be a better speaker, you guys have the resources to help those people become better speakers. But the reality is the opportunity to share your message is valuable to someone in the audience. You don't know who they are. You may never know who they are, but I guarantee you there's someone out there that you will impact in a positive way. Do not miss the opportunity to do that. Gorgeous, gorgeous words. You would think that Paul Glover is part of the executive team of this organization, but he's not. This is an unscripted conversation that we're having with Paul. Today's my first chance to meet him. And of course, he's a participant. He is vying to win one of those spots in the finals and possibly the $20,000 uh, cash grand prize together with a Blue Diamond trophy and a book publishing deal for Morgan James. And so he's got nothing to, uh, nothing to gain by you know, telling others that they should participate. That's so, true. All I, I do is encouraging competition. Encouraging competition. And that's good so that you could showcase yourself and see um, how awesome you are together with everyone else. So I do appreciate that, Paul. I do appreciate those words. I appreciate you coming on. And again, your vulnerability, just being open, laying the cards out on the table. It's clear to see why uh, executives uh, around the country would want to work with you um, and other individuals should be working with you. And so uh, whatever we can do to um, let people know that you exist and that you're available to them to help them learn the truth and connect with their truth and uh, ask the right questions going forward. Because like you said, Paul, we all make mistakes. And if we haven't, we will. Right, your, your your time's coming. No one escapes it, right? We don't get out of this world alive. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to struggle. We're all going to face challenges, and you need fools in your life that can help give you direction. And so, um, if I were in that situation, I'd be calling Paul Glover because, yeah, I think he can get the job done. So, um, Paul, once again, thank you once again for your time. I truly appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you that have joined us now live or that you'll be watching this broadcast on some later replay later here in a couple months or a couple of years, we thank you for your time. I know you've got many other things that you could be doing, but you were intrigued by um, uh, this particular interview, and there's a reason for that. Um, I believe that you're always in the right place where you're supposed to be, and you, it's up to you to find the reason for that. So, um, go to the voicesofimpactawards.com, voiawards.com, register to become one of our storytellers because as Paul said, your story matters, you matter, and more importantly, someone in the audience needs to hear what you have to say, what you've been through, and what you've learned and how you came out of it so that they too can have the guidance and the knowledge and the inspiration to know that whatever struggles they're going through, they can make it through. I'm Steve Gallegos, president and founder, co-founder of the Voices of Impact Awards. It's been a pleasure being with you today. Until the next episode, thank you so much.